Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us again this week as we dive further into the world of games. And this week, we are continuing on with our idea of architecture and our analysis of it in video games, because it really does play a pivotal role in developing the story, the theme, the emotions, the feelings, all of it. Architecture is so important and not just games, but media, life, everything, right? Like you got to think about how we're living our day-to-day lives. And just a quick shout out there for ourselves, a little shameless plug. I mean, if you want to know more about architecture and how maybe spaces change us or affect us, we did have a conversation about it on Murder of Grey podcast. Uh, it's another show that we do here on the Cubeverse uh, network. So check it out and let us know what you think. It's a pretty fun one for sure. But yeah, so today we are going to be diving into a specific style in architecture. We're looking at brutalist architecture. And a lot of people, whenever they think about brutalist architecture, they might not be a fan of it. Actually, it's very <laughs> hit or miss. There's, it seems like it's a big love-hate relationship with this style because it can feel so cold and alien to some people. But the reasoning behind it is actually pretty warm and uplifting. It's kind of funny there, right? And the whole purpose is to showcase the raw materials themselves, which I think is just a gorgeous thing to do anyway when it comes to art or architecture itself. And the word brutalism, I mean, it automatically when you hear that, you hear the word brutal, you think intense, you think cold. And I think that really helps feed into the idea behind it or the false idea that people have. But brutalism actually comes from the word beton brut, which is French for concrete, which concrete is one of the most important pieces that is that makes brutalist architecture what it is. Uh, exposing the raw concrete and just showing the hand marks of the craftsman that's there or just letting the elements kind of take over and change the uh, the coloring and things like that and allowing shadows to create the sense of depth when everything is the same colors very interesting and intriguing there but brutalism has actually been around for quite a while it started after the second world war when there was a drastic need for new housing and they were looking for ways to do it very quickly, very cheap. Uh, and th then we spawned a bunch of brutalist architects, actually. And th <laughs> what's really cool about it, in my opinion, is that this style came from avant-garde architects, or some people would call them maverick ar architects at the time, that were trying to rebel against the status quo of what architecture was supposed to be. Uh, it's actually rooted in functionalism and um, monumental simplicity. So those two ideas, functionalism and monumental simplicity, are actually components of uh, modernism itself, right? Which is a style of architecture. But they're taking these elements and going a little bit further with it when it comes to brutalist. They're adapting those earlier principles to and converting them to their own. And when you look at the architecture itself, a lot of it is very like monolithic in style. And actually, one of the biggest examples whenever I kept thinking about it was either the Mayan pyramids, right? They just used the raw materials themselves to create a almost otherworldly structure. And when you look at these buildings, they really do defy logic 
a little bit, right? You're using such a heavy material, but sometimes the shapes that they create are like are almost like gravity defying in a way. And it, it's this weird juxtaposition of how the material is used and laid out in very interesting configurations that can make people feel a little uneasy when they look at it, which, you know, I totally get. But it, I, I mean, we both consider it gorgeous and um, a very interesting thing to look at, honestly. Uh, and we might be a little bit biased, right? Because we have some of the greatest uh, brutalist architecture out here in San Diego. Not going to lie, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, if you look at, if you go up to La Jolla out here, which is not very far from where we live, we have UCSD. And it's one of the biggest, it's a huge campus. It's a gorgeous campus to go to. But right there, we have something or a couple buildings like the Salk Institute, which is just an amazing sight to see. It's just gorgeous to look at. And then we also have uh, the Giesel Library. So the Giesel Library was uh, crafted in 1970 by William Pariah. And one cool little fun fact about the Giesel Library, despite it looking like a giant spaceship, <laughs> it's just really cool looking, uh, is the fact that it holds uh, one of the biggest collection of Dr. Seuss uh, material, uh, which huh. is really cool to check out. If you haven't seen that, it's really interesting. Has uh, original illustrations there in the library that you can go and see. Uh, it's it's really, really cool. I loved checking it out. It is so cool to see his sketchbooks and things like that is it's really, really interesting. Uh, but brutalism isn't just a, I mean, it's it's all around the world, right? It, every single nation has brutalist in it. And the fact that it was uh, invented at first to, for like community housing, and it actually, you see it a lot in uh, institutional buildings, that right? So it's like a lot of government mm -hmm. buildings use this style of architecture. Uh, some architects have actually taken that style and, have converted it into something more modern or using it to as major impact pieces and even just gorgeous works of art. Uh, one example of this is actually in Sapporo, Japan. Uh, this was made by uh, Tadao Ando in 2015. It's the Hill of Buddha. So this is actually a Makomanai Takino cemetery. So that's the full name of it. And at the cemetery's location, it, there was a giant Buddha statue. Like, this thing is massive. But uh, Ando wanted to kind of bring more meaning to it. So he created this enclosure around the Buddha where now you can only see half of the Buddha. So basically just the bust. So the rest of it is kind of, like, buried in this structure itself. And it's all, like, raw exposed concrete with like grass growing over things naturally. It's just a beautiful, beautiful cemetery. But it's showing how the idea of something, like when you look at Brutalist originally in a lot of these buildings, they can appear cold. But when you look at this cemetery, it shows the life that it could have and how gorgeous it can really be in a way to just kind of make you think, ponder, and just appreciate the life and your surroundings by using those raw elements. And one final example that is really iconic, especially in the world of video games, is actually the AT&T Long Lines building. So a lot of people know it as that or 33 Thomas Street in New York, right? Like a lot of people just call it 33 Thomas Street because that's the address of it. But this <laughs> thing is massive. It's a 550 foot skyscraper. But, you know, skyscrapers are not new to New York. What makes this thing iconic is the fact that it is full exposed raw concrete and there are no windows on this building. 
So imagine that a 550 foot skyscraper in New York with no windows. Like, obviously, that's going to turn some heads and have some conspiracies behind it, too. So one interesting thing is that the AT&T Long Lines building is said to be the home of Titan Point. Um, and those of you who are not familiar with Titan Point, it's actually uh, a spy hub for the NSA. <laughs> so <laughs> that was actually in this building. Like, how perfect can that be, right? Where you have a giant skyscraper in New York with no windows, it's just all concrete, and now it has, you know, a spy hub in it, something like out of Men in Black, right? It's it's pretty trippy and really interesting. But the reason why I bring this one up, because there are so many examples of brutalism, and I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, bringing up a lot of the ones in Boston, London, uh, Russia. So, right, like there, there are some gorgeous examples out there, but this one really has a lot of weight in video games. Because whenever you look up brutalism in video games, like I, I want to... I, I, implore you guys to actually do that google brutalism in video games and i guarantee the first and probably the most talked about game in that is control and it is a gorgeous example of brutalism now when you look at it there are a lot of other architectural styles embedded in control itself uh, there's inspirations to frank lloyd wrights there's uh inspirations to the louvre right like it's all there but the major overarching tone is the brutalist architecture. And it really does help set the pace of this game and just kind of add to the overall mystery of it, just based on the fact that brutalism can be so interesting to look at, right? Where it just feels like it really defies things. It feels like it's been there forever, even if a building has been, you know, just freshly built. There's just something about it where it just... It, it becomes a monolith. It becomes an icon all on its own. And Control really ran with that. And there's all kinds of amazing imagery within this game that really help, you know, deliver that message further and further. And, you know, granted, I have not personally played Control. I've only, you know, watched a few thing, uh, videos of it. I've looked at a lot of imagery of it, even from the beginning. And it's one game that's definitely on my list to play. But just looking at it to appreciate the architecture and the art style has been really just a joy <laughs> to do that. And I'm really excited to kind of explore the world some more. But I know that you have personally played Control and beaten it. So what's your take on this game and how well does it actually portray brutalism? Is it really the number one game? And there's a reason why they keep bringing it up for that? I think the fidelity of it definitely... Uh makes it stand out you know you when you look at a lot of other games that capture this architectural style they don't have this graphical you know fidelity uh that this game shows off but the way the building you're in shifts throughout time right like it's it, it works you know the concrete you know it looks like blocks well what can blocks do they move. Mm -hmm. And the way they move and look so organic doing it, it it's fascinating. Um, I remember that this was the main reason why I wanted to play that game. You know, I didn't care about the story. I didn't care about it being connected to Alan Wake. I just wanted to run around in this building. And uh, this game really scratched that itch. You know, there's rooms you go in that are just red 
from the lights, you know, there's beautiful office spaces. I, uh, I always loved when there were trees or a shrubbery in a room because the way the green trees look up against the concrete is just such a nice contrast that I don't know. It's weird. You know, you, you have this cold feeling of concrete and glossy floors, and then you see this tree breathing life into the room. And it's just, it just looks so damn good doing it. And, um, it was a really fun game. Otherwise, like talking about the gameplay and stuff, like it, it feels good. You know, you can make yourself into a superhero in that game and just kick all kinds of ass, which is awesome. But being able to fully explore this structure and see how it ticks and it's just, it, it's great. You know, I think another thing too, for me is that the way, when I look at this game and anyone that looks at screenshots of this can see it too, is that it looks like it has a certain filter on it. Um, that you kind of see when it comes to this kind of architecture, that kind of like low temp color or hue, I guess you could call it, where it's a little more on the bluish greenish side. It, it captures that gray so well that, you know, this game, when I played it, I took so many like screenshots because I was just like, man, this looks good. Oh, this looks good. Wow. This is just amazing. Like it's the amount of work that went into creating this building. I think that's why people will usually put this one at the top is just, it's more than just gray blocks and concrete structures. Like they actually have, you know, designs cut into the walls. Like it, you look at this and you're like, this has to exist in real life. Like this building, like there's no way someone just created this model out of nowhere. Like they had to take images from somewhere, but you know, you look into it more and it's just like, wow, like whoever designed it, um, I forgot to pull up the name, but, uh, they did an amazing job with it. And that it feels like it could be like a real inside structure. Uh, and I feel like that's another thing too, is that so many people are absorbed with the outside of a brutalist building. They don't really look at the inside. And most of the time, the insides can feel kind of cold. But, you know, with this building, you have that green, you have the wood of the desks and stuff that just make it pop. And uh, they did an amazing job capturing the inside of one of these structures where it's like, I would do anything to be able to walk like in an actual building just like this, you know, like I know buildings like this exist, but I don't know. I want one just like this. Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy, you know? And I mean, this game, like, it's been out for a while, so I mean, it's not hard to play if anyone out there wants to play it. Um, but yeah, this game is just it. It makes sense why people will usually point to this one for this style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. 
speaking on the idea of the like the colors popping right the i think that's one of the really amazing tricks from brutalist architecture is the fact that because of the nice like cool grays every color you put in there just pops it's just vibrant i mean it's why industrial buildings feel so good whenever they have like a living plant inside of them that plant Mm -hmm. just looks so vibrant so luscious and so full of life with this like really cold surrounding around it. And there's just something really pleasing about that, visually pleasing. Uh, and, you know, what's great about this game and what I really appreciate about it, it's it's something that we touched on in our last episode when we were discussing uh, the difference between level designers that only studied video games and level designers that were actually architects before. And there's just a different way of studying and looking at uh, reference material, right? Like with an architect, you're studying old architecture. You're looking at the past to now create the future. You're looking at what buildings worked. What kind of emotions did they convey? Those little tiny details, like what kind of embellishments really worked and which ones didn't, or what causes some sort of visual strain if that's what you're going for, right? Like there's there's a lot to that as far as the actual design process goes. Whereas someone who's just studying video games, they might not put as much emphasis on that where, oh, I need a conference room? Okay, well, I'm just going to make a big room with a big desk, right? Like, the the fact that they actually went and they they took a, a pattern that Frank Lloyd Wright uses on in all of his homes of, of his carpet, and they actually redesigned that pattern um, where if you look at Frank Lloyd Wright's original um, design itself, it mimics the golden ratio. So there's an idea of harmony in the space which is something really big for his art or for his architecture style in general, because he likes to incorporate nature into his works. So the houses always fit in the place that they go. They don't impose themselves in the places that they are created. Now, if you look at the the carpets that are inspired by Frank Crowley, right, in control, they are convoluted, they are confusing, the lines don't match up, right? Like, but you can see the reference there, which I think is really amazing. And I think that just kind of really adds, like, I'm speculating here, but I think it just really adds to the overall feel of this game because you can tell that there's so much attention to detail put into the the scenery, the 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 design of the wall, like everything about it. And then when you start noticing those little tiny details where it's just kind of off, right? Like it just creates that sense of unease instantly. Uh, there was a screenshot that somebody pointed out that I found pretty interesting because you have to really look for it. But there is a room that has wood paneling on the walls and then the bottom half has uh, concrete with like some columns like embedded into them. And if you look at the concrete and the columns, uh, the columns in the concrete and the columns in the wood, they don't actually match up. They're off just a little bit, right? And you can't like at first, like you might kind of look at that and go, oh, well, that's probably just like a skin error. And maybe it is. But it works so well with this idea of like a shifting and changing building and like the building being alive itself. And of course, there's going to be like imperfections because living creatures are imperfect, right? Like it just kind of like added this whole sense of vibe that might not even be original intent. And it could just be a mistake, (laughs) right? But there's something to that that just speaks leaps and bounds. And I I think it's... this game really does show off the fact that if you want to, you know, create an impact piece, then you have to do some research. You have to look at 
what we currently have. Because if you want your player to be fully immersed, you have to give them good frames of reference. And using architecture that we have, using a building that we can actually go to and visit if we want to, just really creates that sense of this being a real life place, not just a video game, which is pretty amazing. And one last thing too that I want to mention about control is that you you talked about the high fidelity of this, right? The fact that this is, I mean, it's a gorgeous game, right? And mm -hmm. when you look at a lot of the other examples of brutalist games, which we'll talk about a few of them, they're not that gorgeous, <laughs> like, but they are also not from big studios that have the kind of budget to really put in the work and effort and the research behind it. It's often smaller studios, smaller games. They're usually kind of more like art piece games. Uh, but the the fact that we're able to actually see a super high res version of Brutalist Architecture, this is like the first game that really did that. Like there's other games, you know, like Mass Effect has some Brutalist to it. There's Fallout 3 has some stuff there, right? Assassin's Creed even uh in the desmond trials like the the first one specifically like it, there's there's a lot of examples out there but this was the first game that really made the setting a brutalist architecture space and did it with the treatment that a triple a game would get so i it, it's really interesting to see because i mean if you look at games from the past as well that you could say have brutalist architecture in them I was looking at those and I, in my mind, it almost looks like it's because they didn't have a lot of textures to really work with. It's easier to do that, right? And polygon spaces like big square blocks and things like that are just easier to create in a game, especially if you're in a crunch or you're a small studio, you might, you know, cut a little bit of corners there and just make a concrete house. Well, that's easy because now I don't have to skin everything. I don't need to create different textures for all that. So the, that, the nice thing about this is that it's able to showcase what a like AAA high end full like, you know, full budget version of those games of the past or some of these smaller indie games can do and just how much impact Brutalist Architecture really does have on our mind and our psyche and the level of immersion that we have. So it's, it's really fascinating. I, I have a big appreciation for this game, even though I never played it, which is pretty surprising. I will uh, correct myself real quick that the uh, uh, designer, uh, Stuart McDonald, does have a background in architectural design. So it kind of makes sense why yeah. um, it looks so damn good. That that makes a lot of sense. He's coming at it with the mindset of an architect already. So that, mm -hmm. it, it just makes a lot of sense. The The spaces feel more lived in. They feel more realistic. They actually like feel like they go together. There's a flow, right? Like, like it feels like a real space whenever you look mm -hmm. at this game. So it, that totally makes sense that he's an architect. I'm not surprised at all. One that really, I think, I feel like was one of my first kind of experiences with this art architectural style in a game and I think maybe for a lot of people that they didn't really realize it uh, was Portal uh, with those games. That's a good point. It's, uh, I mean, you have to think it's all concrete and yeah. just pure, I don't say emptiness, but it just feels cold, you know? And uh, of course, when I played it, I didn't really appreciate it at that time. I feel like I never really appreciated this style until maybe oh, a couple of years ago. Uh, 
I never really thought it was ugly. I just never really thought it was for me. And now I'm like, it, I fully embrace this style. But uh, I think, you know, Portal does it really well. Um, it, I like that the landscape and the structures lend itself to the experience um, without, you know, taking away from it. Uh, which I think is a something that I've noticed with this style in games is that the architecture works usually with the gameplay uh, compared to say like our deco or other architectural designs. Brutalism really works well with gameplay mechanics. Cause you have to think it just looks like a plain wall, right? There's no really carvings into it. It's just, it's easy to do something with it, which, you know, like mirror's edge it's, mm. you could, argue that that's really just plain buildings and not really like concrete but i mean when you look at it it there is a lot of that style and design choice in it and i mean it's interesting because i never really looked at some of these games before with that style but now i'm like you know it, it captures the the theme uh from those games mm -hmm. but um i think you know it's funny that I remember playing this game, oh God, like I don't say almost 10 years ago, but it, it came out, I think it said 2014. So about that time, uh, I got this game in a bundle. I didn't know anything about it. And when I first looked at the steam page, I was like, oh, it's, it's a walking sim with some puzzles. Like this is okay. I'll give it a try. You know, and it, the whole theme was brutalism, mm -hmm. which at that time, like I like I said, like I wasn't very keen on it. I didn't understand it. Uh, the game is called Cairo, and it's a like I said, um, atmospheric game, uh, puzzles, more focus on the puzzles, and uh, the puzzles basically bring life to these mega machines, and. It's made by Locked Door Puzzle, uh, which it's, I feel like this game came out, but didn't really, didn't really get noticed. It got really good reviews, surprisingly, uh, for the time, because I think it was around, that was around the time a lot of these kind of games were kind of popping up, but uh, this was one that was more on the quieter, quiet end, but um there's not much storytelling. Uh, you basically learn about the atmosphere and yourself through puzzles, the way the architecture kind of guides you through them. Uh, it's more about a journey of yourself rather than like say control where there's an actual story. Um, it's not a hard game. Uh, I've played it. It's kind of short too. You know, it's maybe like a couple hours and, uh, I think the music's nice. Like it's, it's a little dated, right? I mean, this came out nine years ago. It, it definitely has that kind of like earlyish look, but it's still, it, it fits the style well, right? It, it still looks good in that aspect. And I think it doesn't take away from what you're experiencing. Uh, I thought it was cool. You know, it, it's interesting looking at what people said about it, and no one really said anything bad about it at the time, which is interesting because I feel like these kind of games always get shafted 
uh, by a lot of people just because they don't like the experience, mm-hmm. you know, they, they want something to do in it. And I don't know. It's cool. It, it was a game that I didn't think anything of. And it was more so just like, a, I wonder what this is like. And I just booted up and it was, it was an interesting experience. You know, I think, I think it's a cool game. I feel like uh, walking simulators are so common with this style. <laughs> it there's just yeah. something for it, right? It, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? It, it is creating a dystopian feeling. It's the idea of mystery, right? Like the architecture, especially with the the lighting that these games seem to give them. I mean, all of them, most games that have brutalist architecture in them are just very dark and they seem void of light. I think that's another big thing for another, like you know feather in the cap for control is that they weren't afraid to use more light to express and to show the details of things uh so it's it is a very interesting idea for sure and they always have that like fog or haze over them <laughs> that yeah. to hide all the little tiny intricacy details and things like that so yeah it that one looks very interesting and i, I do feel bad for these games too that that's another thing as well is that like reviewers out there, we've we've said this a few times, but I feel like it's really important, especially looking at some of these these more avant-garde, these more art style games. We need to be careful how we're reviewing these things because a lot of these games are getting kind of bashed, right? And especially a lot of walking simulators do anyway. But you have to look more at the intent rather than like thinking about it as a game game or a triple A game. It's it's a very different feeling that they're trying to convey. So yeah, that's my two cents on that part. <laughs> but anyway, so another game that is a walking simulator that I think is a gorgeous uh, example of this, and it definitely is an art style game, is uh, Fugan Void. So mm-hmm. Fugan Void is, I mean, it's gorgeous to look at. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, pay what you want on itch.io. So if you guys want to check it out, uh, it's actually made by uh, Mache Linke. I hope I'm saying that right. Sorry, it's you know not my language, uh, but it's it's a really interesting looking game that has a lot to say in a very short amount of time. Um, the on the itch.io page, it actually has a warning, which I think is really interesting that it's a warning. <laughs> but it says that this experience has uh, on purpose no saving system. The experience should be done in one walkthrough and takes about forty five minutes. Take your time, close the curtains, and use headphones. So he's really alluding to the fact that this is not your typical game. This is something very different. This is an experience. This is an art piece. And, you know, a lot of people have kind of ripped this game apart, unfortunately, uh, because they were expecting something different, like an actual video game to do something in it. But there's a lot of times in this title where you're just kind of experiencing the environment around you. Uh, and not really interacting with it, right? But there, if you really kind of just let it soak in and just kind of enjoy the experience overall, there's a lot of depth behind this. And it's using brutalist architecture in a very impactful and meaningful way where it's just large structures to create these monoliths and just really intri- interesting, intricate details but it's all with what looks like raw material, which I think is just gorgeous. And, you know, with no dialogue, no uh, people to interact with or anything like that, the message can get kind of 
mixed up or lost if someone's not fully immersing themselves as the designer has intended to do so. And uh, there are a few reviews out there that say, you know, that this is a uh, like kind of a life and death thing, like, you know, dealing with the, the gravity of decisions and all that, right? Like, there's a lot of undertones there that people have taken away from it. And it, when I read these reviews, it really does sound more of a art critique rather than a game review, which I appreciate, right? It's, it's a lot more interesting that way. Um, like, for instance, on the HBO page, he has one review actually uh, tagged, and it's by Justin Kiever from the Heterotopia zine, so a little magazine that this guy writes out. But he says the terror of Fugue and Void is that it imagines each of these scenarios in a state of superimposition where our desire for the radical death of meaning is contained and controlled as capital um, metastasis yeah, around us. So it's a very interesting idea, right? The fact that a 45-minute experience can really make someone... Uh, feel that way and I, I think that's kind of a sad thing too about these art games is that if this was in a gallery space if this was treated as an art piece rather than a video game there would be a lot of praise behind it people would be in that mindset to kind of really absorb the message and really take this in whereas if you're you know looking through steam you find this you're expecting a game and then there's not much interaction you're probably going to turn it off pretty quick and you know, try and say like, oh, this isn't what, this isn't a game, but it already says that. Like the designer has intended it to not just be a game. It's much more than that. It, it's a, it's speaking on just human nature and it's, and it's just trying to make you feel something and to infer on the intent itself without just hammering you over the head with it, right? Like it's, I don't know, there's something really amazing about it. And like I said, the the architecture alone in this and just the, the very interesting scenes with um, the way it uses light, I think, is really, really cool. Because there's, a, I mean, you know, seizure warnings and uh, about that with this game, too, just so you guys know. There's a lot of, like, flashing light sequences in this title. Uh, and it can get a little overbearing at times. Uh, but the way that it uses the light with these um, very basic structures and to express the details with the shadows themselves is very very interesting and it's just a really interesting experience to go through and you know it's only 45 minutes and you can get it for free so why not kind of enjoy something a little different here it's definitely a good one you brought up a good point with lighting and i think that's another thing with these games in this architecture is that lighting really does play a big part in it right? The reflections, everything. It's, it creates the atmosphere, I feel, more than, say, other, other designs and games. Um, feels more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of leads into what I think might be one of the more, I don't want to say best games but i think it's definitely it captures the the feel of brutalism very well uh it's called naissance which is birth in french uh it's it was created by uh, marvo sendeno and 
it's another, you know, walking sim. Well, I wouldn't say walking. You can run stuff, you know, but it's uh, another adventure game. And you're in this huge kind of structure. You don't know why you're there. Um, it it almost feels like a horror game just because of how quiet it is mm. for a while. And then, you know, you hear whistling of machines or movements and it's very ambient, but at the same time, it's kind of chilling just because, you know, it's, you know, concrete walls and lighting plays a big part in creating the atmosphere in this game. You know, you see tall walls and structures that make you feel oppressed, yet your freedom to explore this structure makes you feel free. It, it's a weird experience. Uh, there's, there's a lot of like little twists and turns that, you know, like these other games, there's no like explicit storytelling, but with the way you're guided through this world and discover more of this city, uh, that you're going through, you, you learn a lot. Uh, and there's actually, you know, a part in there that you're not supposed to go to and you go to it and you get a very interesting surprise. Um, I don't want to spoil it just because I feel like this is a game that actually could be a good uh, experience for people. I don't know if this would appeal to a lot of people, but people that want like a different kind of art experience or just an interesting take. Uh, I think this game is like really good. Like I, it kind of blew me away a little bit because I had heard about it here and there uh, in groups and I never really looked into it because I'm like, oh, like I have to be in a mood for those kind of games. Mm -hmm. And I finally got in that mood and I was like, whoa, like this is cool. You know, like it, it does things so well. It plays on the atmosphere perfectly. Like it, it's insane. Like the amount of detail, like it's not super fine detail, like control, right? Because I mean that you're, you're going through a building. This is more like crazy structures that you're in, but it's done so well. And the, there's parts where you get this kind of open air feeling in this massive room. And you're like, wow, like this place is huge. And it's just intricate designs and, I don't know. This game like really surprised me a lot. And it's kind of a bummer that I feel like it doesn't really get talked about as much. You know, I feel like people that love looking at liminal spaces, you know, like those kind of pictures. Like I know I love looking at those cause they creep me out. Uh, this game I feel does that really well too. Like there's times in it that I was like creeped out, even though I know there's like, you know, there's not going to be a zombie behind the corner, but it's like it it makes you feel uncomfortable, but like not. It, it's weird. It I don't really get that feeling from games that much, but like it's really good. You know, like I I'm surprised by it and it's free, which is cool, too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but yeah, and it, it seems like a lot of people have said really good things about it, like it doesn't seem like anyone really complains about it, but, um, I think this one is definitely worth an experience. You know, um, 
I definitely, you know, we're going to eventually make a video of this kind of episode about these games and really show them off. And uh, I'm really excited to show this game off. Yeah, excited. it's a good looking game. I mean, it has so much like atmosphere to it. It's just mm-hmm. kind of a, a really good thing to experience. And yeah, I mean, it's free. Check it out. <laughs> I mean, why not? Right. It's just, yeah. There's there's a whole another level of gaming out there that needs to be appreciated and shown off and and just yeah just just played <laughs> and experienced so and this is definitely one of them now another title as well that has a you know very amazing impact and it, it uses brutalist architecture in a very interesting way I would say uh, it it sets it up so that it is part of the world part of the the vibe it really adds to the the overall atmosphere of this game and what's interesting is that it deals with the um like the refugee crisis with with this which is really interesting i mean despite it being so short as well i kind of wish that it was longer so that you can actually experience that more and might have a little bit more impact to it um, because it feels like that message is getting kind of lost on some people but uh, the game's called North. Uh, it's a very, very interesting looking game. Uh, you actually play as an alien, uh, and that's on purpose, right? If it's dealing with refugees and uh, immigration and the issues with that, you are an actual alien in this game. A little on the nose, but, <laughs> it, you know, the the scenery itself is very reminiscent of like Blade Runner style. It's it's very just large monolithic buildings, very bright neon lights, just to kind of, you know, highlight certain areas. And one of the big things in it and one of the story beats is that you are moving north and to help support your family back down south where you're originally from. So it's really speaking a lot of that. And the puzzles that you're um, working on throughout this game, I think the game's only like 30 minutes long, honestly. So it's not a lot to it, but the puzzles that you're working are very uh, like mundane backbreaking work that you have to do. And the the home that you return to is a very small cramped apartment with no furniture. Uh, you're sharing the uh, small apartment with two other aliens and you guys are sleeping on the floor, right? Like it, so it's just trying to show off that, that struggle of uh, being an immigrant in a new country, uh, trying to just kind of make a living, which is very impactful and, you know, it, it does mean a lot to everybody. Like we've all have, we've all been there through struggling times and, you know, you want to try and support your family in some way. And for some, the immigration is the best way to do so. So it, it does have a lot to say, which is pretty amazing. Um, and it's, I think the way that it showcases this style of architecture, and I think that it's so important that it used this style of brutalism uh, because of how cold and alienating this style can feel, right? A lot of people describe it as such, especially with this proper lighting, which is very moody and it creates a lot of mystery and uh, a lot of intrigue and just kind of uncertainty, right? And it almost feels as if the world itself or these buildings are cold to your situation, right? They're they're very same same right. There's not a lot of life there because you're doing very mundane backbreaking things. You're not being treated the same so that you can help support a family back home, right? Like it, there's a lot of impact and weight with the way that these buildings are presented, 
and they're massive monolithic structures. Like it's, it's huge structures here. Uh, so it just makes everything feel very uh, like kind of like the world's enclosed in on you, right? Like it almost can feel hard to breathe at times, right? With just the added stress of having to support a family in a different country. Like that, that's a very difficult um, thing to deal with. So it's, it's a really amazing, um, idea in which to showcase and i think it's a very impactful story to get out there and the use of the architecture just really helped sell the theme and sell the overall feeling that north is going for uh and uh, yeah it's just i don't know if i mentioned it, it was made by outlands published by sometimes you so and you can pick it up right now it's not too bad i think it's is this another free one or five bucks no it's, it's cheap yeah it's two dollars <laughs> so it's not bad so that's the great thing about these games is that, you know, they're all cheap, affordable, free, um, but they're just great artistic experiences to go through and to just kind of live with for a second. So. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. We, you know, brutalism is a amazing style of architecture and it's truly is gorgeous and used properly it can really really sell a game it can really sell a mood a feeling a vibe all that and you know there's a lot of mis misconstruction or like just misrepresentation of brutalism itself a lot to do with like not understanding the actual naming convention of it but i mean the reason behind it is just uh, such a strong, impactful, meaningful thing. And I think I'm, I'm hopeful that this, like, kind of, it feels like we're starting to pivot, right? And we're, we're starting to really show more appreciation to arch architectural styles in level design. And I really hope that video games can continue this trend and continue to really create impact with these different types of architectural styles and really bring more understanding to them, more appreciation to them, uh, and just, just to sell the themes, uh, just everything. It's, it's so amazing to look at, and it's been really fun just kind of like going through this stuff. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next week with uh, some more games, more designs, more ideas, uh, and all that good stuff. But until then, bye for now. Thank you.